Well, today we're still working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Now, we now believe that Mark was the first Gospel written, but for centuries people didn't take Mark as seriously as Matthew, Luke, or John. But in the last couple decades we've really come to appreciate Mark a lot more, especially because the narrative is so compelling. And today we're going to hit that sort of the sweet spot, the turning point in the Gospel of Mark. So we're going to explore that. And it's going to be sort of spelled out to us also in our first reading, where we're going to hear from Isaiah, the suffering servant song, part of that. It's also a passage we hear, a more extended portion of every Good Friday. And then our second reading is a very famous passage from James, talking about if we are disciples, we need to show it. And so it's really going to be an invitation to what it means to be a disciple today, all of our readings. So we're traveling chronologically through the Gospel of Mark this year, and today we've hit that turning point in the narrative. So let's quickly review what's happened so far in the story. First, we have the stories of Jesus' miracles and healings. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, a man who was deaf and mute, and a leper. He casts a demon out of a man in the synagogue, and he commissions the twelve apostles to go out and successfully do likewise. He brings Jairus' daughter back from the dead. All of this has grabbed people's attention. We've heard explicitly about the crowds, the crowd bringing their sick to his door in Capernaum, the crowd in the house where the paralyzed man was lowered through the roof, and the crowd pushing in on Jesus when a woman with a hemorrhage reached out to touch him. The multitudes have even followed him when he has sought solitude. So it's really no wonder that Simon Peter would declare that Jesus is the Messiah, God's anointed one. Many Jews believed that the Messiah would restore the nation of Israel and defeat the Roman oppressors. If anyone could do the impossible... It was Jesus. You've probably heard some feel-good homilies based on the first half of our gospel passage today. Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? It's a good question for each of us to reflect upon. But it's a much more fantastic question to pray upon. And when we pray on this question, we need to be sure to keep it conversational. We need to hear Jesus asking each of us, who do you say that I am? And then each of us, we need to talk with Jesus one-on-one about who we believe him to be. But there's a second more important story going on in Mark's narrative. Jesus has declared that he has come to preach. And his first invitation to the people is to repent and believe in the gospel. But people haven't taken to the preaching nearly as well as the miracles. They don't understand his parables. The Pharisees have found his teachings blasphemous. And they've been trying to find a way to kill him since chapter 3. And Jesus' own family and neighbors take offense at his teaching. Now Jesus begins to reveal a very hard truth about discipleship. The Messiah, the anointed one of God, comes to fulfill the prophecies of the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah. 
Not only that, anyone who wishes to follow the Messiah must likewise take up a cross. Now this part of the message doesn't feel so good. But guess what? We have to reflect and pray on this part too. Once again, we need to stay in conversation with Jesus. For example, we can pray, Lord, I want to follow you. How do you ask me to deny myself? What are the crosses that I must carry? There are many kinds of suffering. And we each have a variety of crosses that we will bear in our lifetime. As I've prayed with this this week, I've come up with at least four different ways that we might be called to die to ourselves as we follow Christ. First of all, there are the things that we voluntarily give up. We deny ourselves this way for a number of different reasons. Like our fasting in Lent, we sometimes deny ourselves as a form of solidarity with those who have less than we do. Or perhaps, we choose to deny ourselves certain excesses in our lives, such as watching too much television, eating too fattening of foods, or playing too many video games. And we voluntarily deny these things so that we can become better disciples. But there are also people who deny themselves purely for discipleship's sake. A friend of mine voluntarily gave up chocolate decades ago as a sign of her devotion to God. If you've ever eaten any of her home-baked cookies that she makes for other people, you'll realize what a sacrifice she has made. So that's one. Next, there are the sacrifices that naturally come from making choices. And a lot of you who are in college or about to graduate or recently graduated, you're learning this. A growing sign of maturity in discipleship is the recognition that we have to make choices in life. We can't have it all. And choosing any one thing means giving up others. It's choosing to go to one school over another, choosing one career path, marrying that one special someone, etc., etc. Every yes requires at least one no. In choosing to follow Christ, we choose not to take some other roads. And then the third way, There are the denials that we don't choose. We suffer an illness. We don't get the job. Circumstances force us to live far away from our family and friends. Maybe we discover some shortcomings in our personalities that we aren't able to change. I'm not convinced that these things are always the will of God. However, by taking up these crosses facing us, we can accept the challenges, and allow the Holy Spirit to accompany us in the midst of adversity. We may not choose these challenges, but our acceptance allows us to continue moving forward on our faith journey. And yes, we often discover that the challenges offer us gifts and opportunities that we never expected. But then there is the fourth kind of cross, The cross of unmitigated tragedy. A terrible accident changes the course of our lives. 
A natural disaster destroys our home and livelihood. A loved one unexpectedly dies. Unlike the challenges in the previous three categories, we may never find a meaning for what has happened. And it is then, when we have been stripped of everything else, that we embrace the cross in a most profound way. There is no other option. We cling to the cross because there is nothing else to hold on to. We set our faces like flint, forced to trust God because there are no alternatives. As many of you know, I am a Paulist priest, as is Father Charlie. And the Paulists have recently discovered an unpublished spiritual notebook written by our founder, Isaac Hecker, back in 1854. One sentence in the notebook has struck with me. Isaac Hecker wrote, The one who has no cross is no follower of the crucified. The one who has no cross is no follower of the crucified. Throughout our lives, we carry a variety of crosses, some voluntarily and some not. So I invite you, over this next week, to find some time to pray the following. Jesus, this is who I say that you are. And because I try to follow you, these are the crosses I bear for the glory of your kingdom.